is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Molly Gilbert of the site Dunk and Crumble. Molly is a professionally trained pastry chef with culinary and pastry training from the French Culinary Institute and experience as a private chef, a chocolatier, and the Sever Magazine Test Kitchen. Her first two books, One Pan and Done and Sheet Pan Suppers, embrace simple meals that go from oven to table. She's back with a third book, Sheet Pan Sweets, Simple Streamlined Dessert Recipes. I am so excited to welcome Molly to the podcast. Hi, Molly. Hey, Liren. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for spending a Friday with me. I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? That is such a good question. The first thing that I ever cooked was probably a can of SpaghettiOs. With oh my milk. gosh, yes. <laughs> we used to melt like slices of cheese on top of a can of SpaghettiOs. I was probably about, I don't know, 12 or 13, I want to say. Although I didn't really get into cooking for real until after college. So that's my best guess. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. I, I'm curious. Were you a latchkey kid growing up? I wasn't really, yeah. um, but... I, we just we just really like spaghetti. Yeah, I just remember a lot of friends who were latchkey kids who loved spaghettios after school, and so that just brought that to my mind. But you know, how parents had time to just like have like a dinner right after school before actual dinner? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're starving when you come yeah, home. You <laughs> Could you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and what life looked like before you decided to enter culinary school? Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up just outside of Philadelphia um, in a big Jewish family where food was sort of front and center just always. I was a hungry kid. I like to eat a lot, but um, mm -hmm. I didn't start cooking, like I said, until after college. I um, went to Amherst College and then uh, graduated and got like a nice, sensible, you know, wear suit kind of job and really decided that that wasn't for me. So while I was kind of figuring out a way out of that job. I started a food blog um, called Dunkin' Crumble. This was way back probably in 2009, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would just come home from work and start cooking and experimenting and documenting uh, on my blog. And then after a few years, decided to make the jump um, and enrolled in culinary school in New York. So I studied culinary and pastry arts there. And then after culinary school, tried a bunch of different food space jobs, everything from, like you said, working in a candy kitchen. I taught kids cooking classes for a while. I was a private chef for a bit, all the while I was blogging. And through a very lucky series of connections was um, connected with an editor at Workman Publishing. And that is how I got the opportunity to write my first book, which is called Sheet Pan Suppers, um, back in 2014 and sort of has kept it going from there. Huh. Okay, I'm curious what the sensible job was. I was a healthcare consultant. So basically, oh. I was just like making a lot of PowerPoints and like doing research for a consulting company. <laughs> I can see how that can get tedious. Yeah. I mean, it's great for some people, just not for me. Mm. So your culinary training took you to various places, as you mentioned. So what did you learn from those experiences? I'm sure that between private chefing and working at Lilibet Sweets and Sever, you had some major takeaways. For sure. Yes. I mean, aside from just gaining cooking experience, you know, I think you learn your cooking style, what your cooking style is like, you know, what you enjoy cooking, 
um, obviously how to cook for a crowd, a lot of people, especially with the private chefing um, gig. And just being able to hone my writing while I was doing that sort of stuff was great too. Like obviously being in the Savoir test kitchen and I was in the kitchen, but you know, getting to know some of the people on the editorial side and sort of seeing how that works and how photo shoots work. And that was a really valuable part of that job for me. Um, but yeah, you learn, you learn so much on every experience and job that you have. And I feel like even though some of those jobs were sort of short stints for me, they were opportunities to learn so much. Mm-hmm. And it it will shape you each one. And, right. and you never you know. know who you're going to meet and what connections you're going to make and sort of where what could be a jumping off point for something else. Yeah. So when you started Duncan Crumble, first of all, I love the title. We have to just talk about that. That's super cute. Thank you. When I, did you decide to go with Duncan Crumble? I, I was struggling with the name for a blog because nothing was just like jumping out at me. And I was just sort of wondering, like thinking, well, what, what kind of foods do I like to eat? What do I like to cook? And I felt like the best foods are ones that you can dunk and <laughs> crumble. I, I love baking as obviously as my newest book uh, will attest. Um, and that just, yeah, I don't know how it came. It was something about the way it sounded when I said it out loud. I just was like, okay, yeah, dunk and crumble. Let's go with that. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So sheet pan sweets pairs so well with your previous cookbooks, but let's just talk about sheet pan suppers first. How did this become a specialty of yours? And at the time, I mean, now it's sheet pan everything, but at the time it was pretty kind of new. Not everybody was doing it. So how did that come about for you? Yeah, I I would love to take credit for the idea, um, but it was not mine. It was my editor at Workman Publishing. Her name is Kylie Fox McDonald. Um, she had the idea for the book originally and we sort of oh. talked about it and like workshopped it over. And the more I thought about it, the more it just made complete sense. It was like, I mean, I've been using sheet pans in the kitchen for years. I mean, I think everybody sort of has, but in less of a sort mm-hmm. of one pan cook a whole meal on a sheet pan sort of way, but so smart because mm-hmm. most people already have sheet pans in their kitchen. It sort of usually comes with like a kitchen starter pack kind of deal and they're inexpensive and it's so easy to throw you know a bunch of stuff on a sheet pan maybe toss it with some olive oil or salt and pepper um throw it in the oven and then you have a entire meal just ready and waiting for you while you can like go and do other things clean the kitchen i just love that it was so hands off fuss free um like low mess i just everything about it spoke to the way i like to cook so um yeah i was super glad and grateful to get the opportunity to write the book. Yeah. So it's such a game changer, especially when you have a family. And for me, the worst part of cooking is the cleanup (laughs) because I love everything about the cooking, but I, I personally, I mean, I do it anyway, but I hate when I use up every single pot and pan in my kitchen. So the idea of a sheet pan supper is always welcome because then you just have one thing to clean up. I totally agree. And I love cooking too. And there are t- I feel like there's a time and a place for pulling out every pot um, and, you know, using every ingredient that you have. But as, as a busy mom, as I'm sure you know, you know, mm-hmm. the weekday rolls around, you're like, oh my gosh, it's five o'clock. I have to pick up from soccer and what are we eating? And like, it's like a whole, you know, you don't have to go through all the mental gymnastics of what you're going to cook if you can just throw some stuff on a sheet pan and get it in the oven. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so you mentioned that there in the book that there are benefits to sheet pan baking, <clears throat> and it's threefold. So there's volume, there's quick bake times, and then there's the quick cooling. So that's yeah. a triple threat for me. 
Um, and I would maybe you could expand upon that. Too. Yeah. Well, so um, quick bake time. Since the sheet pans are so big um, and they have so much surface area, the cakes or whatever you're there's a, a lot of cakes. There's a sheet cake chapter, a layered cake chapter, but then there's also pies and cookies and bars and covers kind of runs the gamut, but um, most things have a shorter bake time than they would if you were using like a loaf pan or um, something a little more dense because that surface area helps whatever you're baking just cook quicker. Um, and to that same idea, helps them cool faster as well. So you don't have to wait forever for your cake to cool before you can frost it. Um, but I would say the sort of fourth benefit of sheet pan baking is that you can really, really feed a crowd um, mm -hmm. with baked on a sheet pan. I mean, a sheet cake will serve at least 24 people, I'd say, more if you cut them, cut your slices a little bit smaller. So, you know, whether you're needing to bring something to the bake sale or to sports practice or just doing like a big birthday party um, or, you know, it's the holidays and you want to bake something for all your neighbors, you can just bake one batch of something on a sheet pan and you're pretty, pretty much good to go. Yeah. And let's say you have like a potluck, it's kind of just presentation worthy. It's just fine leaving it on the sheet pan and just bringing it. I think there's just like this rustic hominess to it that people Absolutely. appreciate. Yeah, there's a nostalgic thing about a sheet cake too. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I like have all these memories. I don't know if you have the same of birthday parties when I was little, just these giant sheet cakes being brought out and everybody saying, well, I want this piece. I want that piece. And yeah, something really nostalgic about a sheet cake for me. Yeah, lots of edge pieces for everybody who like the edges. <laughs> totally. So you've done everything, like cakes, you've even done breads. Was there anything that was a challenge to translate into sheet panning? <laughs> <laughs> um, I got that asked that question a bunch when sheet pan suppers came out, and I always said stuff like pasta, which like you can actually do on a sheet pan, but things like pasta or um, rice, which I do have in the, oh. in the book, are just a little bit, you know, it, I didn't want to do things on a sheet pan, like just for the sake of it being on a sheet pan. So if something is sort of makes more sense to just do in a pot or in a rice cooker or whatever, that that's, I would go with that route. Um, baking wise, I have to think about that. You know, there are certain things that are a little fussier potentially on a sheet pan, like baking a slab pie, you're working with a large amount of dough. Um, mm -hmm. So you are gonna turn out this like beautiful pie that will feed a million people, but you do have to be comfortable working with like a larger amount of dough and rolling it out. And that can maybe take a little bit longer than it would if you were baking a smaller pie. That's true. And not worrying about any holes or the evenness of the dough and right. things like that. Right. True. I loved seeing your black and white cookies because I, I grew up in New York. So those were my favorite cookies just going into a deli, but they can be challenging to make just because you're frosting each one. So yeah. is it easier in bar form? It can be easier. It depends how you want to frost it. So when I first tested this recipe, I essentially made like one giant black and white cookie. I frosted one side chocolate and one side vanilla. Oh, yeah. So if you have people in your house who, like in my house, my son Jack like really just loves the chocolate. And my son Calder, he'll eat chocolate, but like maybe he just wants the vanilla one day. You can cut, you know, squares and give just Jack the chocolate and just Calder the vanilla. Or, you know, people can choose their flavor if though you want some of each in each bite, which to me is like kind of the beauty of the black and white cookie, you get a little bit of each. You mm -hmm. could just like spread the frosting on in stripes. And then when you cut 
each piece will get both flavors. Any tricks to getting that nice, even line? Well, <laughs> I don't think I have one. My food stylist is very helpful in the in the photography <laughs> when we shot the book. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with a, a messy line here and there as long as I'm getting a little bit of each flavor in, in my bites. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, mm-hmm. we have to talk equipment for a minute because sheet pans, obviously, there's lots of kinds. I'm curious, what do you look for when you are looking for the perfect sheet pan? Great question. The first thing is I'm making sure that it's an actual sheet pan, which means an 18 by 13 inch pan with a one inch lip around the edge. Um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes like a cookie sheet or a jelly roll will sort of look like a sheet pan, but they're a little smaller. And for a lot of these baking recipes, you want to make sure that you're using the right size so that, you know, batter doesn't spill over in the oven, stuff like that. Um, I like a good sturdy one, stainless steel or aluminum. Um, For some of the baking ones, a nonstick baking sheet is fun, but not necessary. And they're all different kinds of brands that I really like that make them. I have a few from Chicago Metallic, Nordic Wear. Great Jones makes some really beautiful, colorful ones now. Um, You can find them, you know, at any kitchen store worth their salt will have a sheet pan in stock. Mm -hmm. I also like USA Pan. Um, I've just been using more and more of their, I feel like I've shifted all the way to them recently. But yeah, Chicago Metallic was another old favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so holiday baking is coming up. What yes. should we make? Yes, I love, this is my favorite time of year for baking. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are in the same boat. Um, I have a lot of recipes in this book, perfect for holiday baking. If pumpkin's your thing, I have a pumpkin sheet cake with a brown butter frosting, that's not to miss. There's also a pumpkin tiramisu roll cake. So it's like sort of a play on like the pumpkin spice latte, right? So you get a little bit of coffee flavor, that pumpkin flavor, and it's all rolled up in like a really pretty presentation. I also have a recipe in the book for a maple butternut cake. So it's a butternut squash cake. This grated into the cake. It's sort of like a fun twist on the pumpkin idea Mm -hmm. um, with a maple frosting, which is really creamy and delicious. And then as you move like a little bit, Farther towards the holidays, I have some really nice options for like Christmas baking. There's a ton of cookie recipes, particularly I love my molasses sparkle cookie recipe. I've been making that around the holidays for years and years. I have a gingerbread cake in there. What else? Oh, for Hanukkah, there's, um, I call it a dozen donut cake. It's just a sheet cake that we melt butter on top of. And then I like stripe different frostings on top to make it look like you're opening a box of a dozen donuts, you know. Oh, that's so fun. Chocolate, you can use sprinkles, powdered sugar. It's like, it's one that you can really have a lot of fun with. That's so cute. You have a recipe for Nana's Christmas gingerbread. Was that the cake that you were referring to? Yeah, that's the gingerbread cake. Mm -hmm. I love the story behind that. So maybe you could share that with everyone. Yeah, this recipe um, comes to me from my husband's grandma. So great Nana is what we called her. Um, She passed away a number of years now ago, but her gingerbread is something that um, my husband's mom has been making for years. And um, it's now sort of synonymous with the holiday for me. Great Nana was from the South and always had something coming out of her oven. She was like big on the layer cakes, the cookies. She was sort of a true Southern belle. And so this is a, an adaptation of her gingerbread recipe. And it's really like moist and light. Um, it's not heavy at all. And you can just serve it with a little powdered sugar sprinkled on top is awesome. Um, I love it with like a little cup of tea. It's 
rich enough in spices, like mm-hmm. you can get that real gingerbread flavor, but I feel like I always have room for a slice because it's not so heavy. It's like a really light texture. Yeah, I, I love it. And I love just sensible desserts like that. Do you know what I mean? It's not fussy. Mm-hmm. It's got a beautiful, rich color. When I first flipped the page, I thought it was a chocolate cake or a chocolate gingerbread just because of that rich color. So I know I can't wait to try that. Okay, so for Thanksgiving, what's going to be on your table? Thanksgiving, there's always – there's people have opinions at my house at Thanksgiving. It's like you can't skip stuff. There's stuff that's been around for just ages. Mm-hmm. There's always pumpkin pie and there's always pecan pie, which, you know, those are classics in, in this country. But this year I might do my pumpkin pie bars instead of me. I usually make four pumpkin pies because our Thanksgiving is pretty big. But this yeah. year I think I'll make one cheat pan of pumpkin pie bars. Um, and then I also have a recipe for pecan pie bars as well. So I can sort of kill some birds with uh, <laughs> stones. And instead of rolling out like eight pie dough, you know, making crimping eight pies, I'll just make two sheet pans full of one of pumpkin and one of pecan. I So I have to ask you this in terms of recipe testing, who were the lucky recipients of all these goodies? <laughs> I made so many friends testing <laughs> this book. No, I, um, my neighbors, I handed a lot to my neighbors. Um, and the bulk of the testing like all the sweets went to my kids' preschool. <laughs> ah. I just, we love the preschool. The teachers are so wonderful and they were really happy to take the sweets and you know feed the staff. So I'm so grateful to them for watching my kids while I could test these recipes. And I think they were happy with the deal as well. They're probably like penciling down, okay, contact Molly for the next bake sale. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then so- yeah, I'm also curious too. You um, working in the Severe Test Kitchen, obviously you were testing recipes there. So, what skills translated over when you were testing your own recipes for all your books? That's a great question. I feel like time management and like just grocery. I did all the grocery shopping while I was right. testing for Severe as well, and just like it sounds so simple and like you shouldn't need like practice doing it, but having the skills of like, okay, here's my list. Here's the stores I need to hit. Here's kind of, you know, how to do this in the most efficient way possible. Um, And at Savora, it was sort of a little bit of a different beast because, you know, no car, you're taking the subway, you have to like carry Mm -hmm. everything that you need, which can be a lot depending on the recipes you're testing. But I think just learning like the mindset around being efficient with your um, shopping was one thing that I definitely took away from the test kitchen there. And then obviously the other is just like being very deliberate in your, my brain is fried. I can't think of the word (laughs) in your um, writing everything down, making sure that, you know, when, when you're in the kitchen, things can sort of like happen quickly and you can maybe forget, but it's really important to, keep a notepad or keep your notes app or something around and just making sure that you're writing things down so that when something comes up later and you're like, oh, wait, how much salt did I use for that? Mm -hmm. You can go back and look and it'll be there for you. Yeah, such good points because I do think that, you know, I know when I test recipes, if I don't write it down, even though I think I'll remember that. Totally. (laughs) Sure enough, I'll forget. Yeah. And then It's so interesting that you said grocery shopping because that was something that was a big struggle for me when I was testing recipes for my book a year or so ago. Like 
that was really surprisingly challenging. Worse than like getting all set up and getting all your stuff and you're like, oh, wait, I don't have heavy cream or whatever it is. And then having to like restart the whole thing, go back to the store or try and order it or like, you know, it just really throws off your game and your sort of flow for me anyways. I'm curious in the professional kitchens that you've worked with where you're testing recipes like that, did you have, let's say, I'm guessing you had multiple refrigerators. How was organization wise, like how did that work for multiple recipes? Did you guys have sections? Would it be, or was it fair game? Like whoever has the heavy cream can have the heavy cream kind of thing. It was kind of fair game. We, we would go through it in the morning and make sure that the refrigerator was like clean and organized, but it was fair game. It was sort of understood. Like these are the recipes we're testing. All the ingredients that we need for them are in the fridge. Take what you need from the fridge and there should be enough for everybody if we've done this correctly, if we've okay. correctly. Very cool. Okay. So all your books, I think, work super well together. So if I wanted to craft a meal with like a three-course meal from each of your books, how would it look? Wow. That's a really good question. I think I would probably choose an appetizer from Sheet Pan Suppers. I really love the mushroom toasts with I think it's like burrata at the beginning chapter, uh, the appetizers. And then I would probably make one of my favorite dishes from my second book, One Pan and Done, is this, it's like a one-pot pasta. It's a rigatoni, I think rigatoni, with eggplant and turkey sausage. Um, It's nothing fancy, but it's just really delicious, and it comes together quickly. And then from Sheet Pan Sweets, so hard to choose a favorite, but really, of course. I think I've been telling everyone that my favorite is the Jack's chocolate chip cake with fudge frosting. It's in the sheet cakes section. Um, and it's just like a really fluffy, soft vanilla cake with mini chocolate chips studded throughout. And then a quick fudge frosting that comes together in the food processor. Oh. I don't know. I, you know, I hadn't thought about if that's a cohesive menu or not, but those are the three recipes that are just sticking out in my mind is like, yeah, I I think I would make that. I love it. I think that sounds like the coziest meal and the cake. I think I'm looking for a cake for my son because his birthday is coming up. So I think I might try that one. It's one of my faves. Yeah. Okay. So I've got some closing questions before I let you go. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you just need an emergency dinner? Emergency dinner in my house often looks like fish stick tacos. So I'll take frozen fish sticks, throw them on a sheet pan, and then, you know, throw all the taco fixings on top. And it's sort of like a cheat for a quick and easy fish taco dinner. You know, I'm laughing because I kind of do something similar. (laughs) It's such a, it's like, it's such a great little cheat. And I'll just do like a little slaw and put it on top and then you're done. You're good to go. Exactly. Okay. What's one recipe that you treasure the most? Wow. One recipe that I treasure the most. Sorry. I got to think about this. Yeah. I would say it's an, it's a nostalgic recipe for me, which I'm sure most people choose. My mom growing up would always make chicken marbella, which is sort of like a classic sort of like 80s, it's like sort of like a one pan meal, I guess. But it's um, just roasted chicken with olives and like plums or dried prunes. Mm. And it's got that sweet, salty thing going on. And 
we, my mom used to serve it with rice and she still does, but it's, I'd say that's probably one of my most treasured. Oh, that sounds so good. No one cooks, not a lot of people cook with dried plums or prunes as we, mm-hmm. they keep going back and forth on the marketing there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? In general, I'm a neat cook. I'm a clean as I go kind of person. I feel like my brain just can't like really function in a messy kitchen, but it probably depends on the day that you catch me and like how many children are in the kitchen with me. <laughs> how many kids do you have? Do you have two? I have three now. I oh, have three. Yeah, two boys, six and four, and then my daughter is three months. <gasps> oh my gosh, you have your hands full. I do, I do, but she's very squishy and cute. So. Oh, that's such a cute age. And you could still cook with them in like a little carrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's a good kitchen tip, a secret tip? A secret tip. I would say just like relax and enjoy cooking. Maybe put some music on. I know cooking can be stressful for a lot of people, but if you come at it with a mindset of like, okay, this is some me time. I'm going to just listen to my music and like, you know, work with the ingredients that I have. It can be a relaxing and fun experience. That's so true. I think there's a lot of stress sometimes when people are cooking and it's true. It's nice to just remind yourself. It doesn't have to be a chore. It can be fun. Yeah. Every week I try to share five little things on my site. Something that made me smile. Is there anything that made you smile this week? Yeah, plenty of things. I mean, watching my daughter, she's just starting to smile herself and um, really focus on like our faces. That has really made me smile this week, I would say. Oh, that's the best feeling. (laughs) You're like, is that real smile or not? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Molly, I really enjoyed talking with you and I cannot wait to cook from your book. There's so many treasures in here. I think it's going to be like a staple for me. So where can people find you and your book? Um, You can find me. I'm on social media at Molly Duncan Crumb. Um, My blog, as you mentioned, is Duncan Crumble. Um, I haven't been as active on it lately because just life and kids Mm -hmm. and craziness, but there's plenty of archive recipes um, and good stuff on there for people who are looking. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, thank you, Molly. Thanks for spending time with me. Have a great weekend and I cannot wait to cook or bake from your book. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone, it's time to pull out those sheet pans. I have bookmarked so many recipes in Molly's book and can't wait to bake. Thank you again to Molly for joining us today and to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy baking. Happy baking.